0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems.
1: And now, here are the doctors.
0: Children. Well, John, you know, we're only two weeks away from the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, well, a little less than two weeks. A little less than yeah, two. Okay, yeah, you're right. A little, week and a half, I guess. Yeah, yeah but but it's right uh, around the corner. It's, but what about Tom Brady? Oh, man, he is the greatest of all time, no doubt.
0: Is that insane? I mean, it's you ten know. Ten Super Bowls. Ten Super Bowls, and he's, uh, yeah, I mean, to go to Tampa Bay and take them to the Super Bowl is just unfathomable. I yeah. mean, they didn't have the kind of talent. You know, you always looked at Tom Brady at New England, and you said, well, yeah, they got the payroll. You know, they have the best line, the best defense. Or I mean, no the wonder. coach. Yeah, that was always the other. Belichick. Yeah, Belichick. Yeah, but I bet Ooh. Belichick is kicking himself is. now.
1: Yeah, the Patriots didn't even make the playoffs. I don't think.
0: No, I don't think they did. Yeah, he so. really
1: is. He really is special. We are watching the greatest, in my opinion. I mean, I've seen Joe Montana and yeah, all those folks in ten Super Bowls. I mean, it's just unheard of. That'll be fun to see. Fun yeah. To see him yeah. against uh, Mahomes. Against Mahomes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That'll be
1: Kansas City. That'll yeah. be.
0: That'll be remarkable. So that's only a week and a half away. So, hey, that's the hot topic for this week that's non-financial. Yeah, that's right. But other than that, unfortunately, we're in tax time.
1: Oh, thanks, Steve. That's such hate, a positive yeah, topic. I, appreciate, I really to, appreciate you to, bringing that. I hate
0: to pivot to the negative. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we're <laughs> going to talk about that because, yeah, there are some things you need to know about this year about taxes. Um, there have been some changes, you know, with COVID and everything that went on last year. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to dig into what's different this year. What do you need to pay attention to about taxes? But then we're going to follow that up with something that's very positive.
1: Yeah, that's right, 10 Habits of Financially Successful People. And if you've been listening to us for a while, some of these are going to be routine, you'll recognize. But there's a couple other good ones on here that people will be surprised on. So this comes from uh, Chris Hogan from the Ramsey Organization, and uh, it's a good, good discussion. And, you know, we can verify these. We see people that have done well with money, and they're doing a lot of these.
0: Absolutely. I mean, there are some things that are just habits and just, you know, trends that, that people tend to incorporate in their lives that make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that points out some really good ones there. Yeah, by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart SmartVestor Pro with over 25 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey certified counselor. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 28 years.
0: We're excited to have you listening today on our weekly show our podcast up every Friday afternoon.
1: Yeah, check out our website moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast on the uh, the website. Also, you can go and listen to the historical ones. Great website out there. If you've never spent any time, go check it out. There's a there's a nugget in there for you somewhere, whether it's a uh, a budget planning tool or some information on college. Uh, we also have a really good um, worksheet out there to document what you have in case you know when you pass away, you have a roadmap for people that are that are left behind. So go check out the website and a Facebook page, moneymd.net. We have a uh, excuse me, moneymd on the Facebook page. And uh, we do a prescription of the week every single week.
0: Yeah, lots of resources there. So do check that out. And you can link to us there as well. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And we will talk about those right here on the show. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week.
1: This comes from the American Community uh, Survey. And, Steve, about a third of U.S. homeowners have zero debt on their primary primary residence. That is a... That's positive number. Fantastic. Yeah, it is. And that's something I know we we strive for with our clients and, uh, you know, goals of paying that off. If you have someone young in there, if you can get a 15-year mortgage and have it paid off in your, your 40s or even early 50s, it just opens up the a world of opportunity. Maybe you can retire at 55. We see people doing that. But, you know, going in at 62 or 65, if you can get rid of that mortgage payment, it's a big deal.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we tell people all the time, you know, when you buy a house, get a 15-year <clears throat> mortgage I mean, it forces you to be done in 15 years. And then every time you refinance it, if you do refinance, then refinance at a term that equals what was left on your mortgage. Yes. You know what I mean? Don't keep extending it out. That's what people do. They'll get a 30-year mortgage. They'll pay on it for 10 years. Then they'll move. They'll get another 30-year mortgage. So you got another 30 years. And they just keep extending it out for infinity. And Mm. then they retire, and they still have a mortgage payment. Yeah. So just 15 years, one and done. Be done. Be done with it. And then just do cash for any upgrades from then on. That's that's really the plan. But, yeah, having no mortgage payment changes your life. It
1: does. It really it does. does. It
0: opens up the window to saving for college <clears throat> and, you know, paying for all the stuff that you need to pay for. And retiring early. Yeah, exactly. You know. <clears throat> exactly. So great fact of the week. All right. That leads up here to our first topic, John, and that is taxes, what you need to know. Mm, um fun, fun. Yeah, I mean, this is an article came off the DaveRamsey.com website and um, very recently. But, you know, I think I speak for most people, John, when I say that you probably never want to think about 2020 again. Mm. Not a year we want to go back and revisit, right? Oh. But there is one lingering ghost from last year that you do need to get rid of before you can truly move on. And yes, that is taxes. Unfortunately, we still have to file our taxes for last year. Right. <clears throat> and thanks to the coronavirus, among other things, you know, there has been a lot that's changed for this tax season, you know, related to last year. And so that's why you need to start thinking about your tax situation now. Um, need to kind of start looking at, you know, what has changed? What things do you need to keep track of? You know, did you get that stimulus check? Is that taxable? Things like that. Um, <clears throat> so you want to prepare now to tackle your taxes before they tackle you. And so we're going to dig into what's new for this tax season and what's staying the same.
1: Yeah, so the first thing is tax day is on April the 15th um, of this year. You know, last year we got an extension. It took us out to July right. the 15th. But this year, April 15th, got to have your taxes uh, filed by that date or get a uh, an extension, um, which some people do. Uh, the standard deduction for 2020 uh, is is 12400 for single Filers and twenty four thousand eight hundred for married couples filing jointly, and you know those are those are big numbers. So Pretty you're big. not, yeah, you're not able to itemize unless you can get over those thresholds. So uh, the the tax brackets also increased a little bit for inflation as well. So that's just scratching the surface. There's some other things that you got to be aware of, but uh, again, April fifteenth is that important date.
0: Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so no extension this year. We got the the real date, April fifteenth on Thursday. And uh, But let's dig a little bit into some deductions and credits to consider this tax season. And, you know, when you talk about taxes, one of the, the things that's the, the most magic words is deduction and credit, right? And, I mean, we all want those. Um, both help you keep more of your money in your pocket instead of Uncle Sam's. But they are slightly different, so you have to know the difference between those two. A tax deduction helps you helps lower how much income is subject to federal taxes. Um, Some deductions are only available if you choose to itemize your deductions. Um, In fact, most of them are only available if you choose to itemize. Mm -hmm. Um, While others, you know, some are still available even if you take the standard deduction. Meanwhile, though, tax credits, they lower your actual tax bill dollar for dollar. So those are like magic. Those are better. Those are money in your pocket. Yep. Yeah. You don't want to miss any credits. Um, but you know, there are only a few big deductions that can really get you over that standard deduction threshold in order to itemize these days. Um, and those primarily include charitable deductions, home mortgage interest, state and local taxes, and medical deductions. You know, if those don't add up to over $24,800, you know, for a married couple, that standard deduction threshold, um, then you can just keep it simple and you can just plan to take the standard deduction and you can forego gathering all of your information for giving receipts and those kinds of things that aren't deductible. Also, though, keep in mind that IRS now limits state and local taxes to only $10,000. So you can't count more than this toward that $24,800 itemized deduction threshold for a married couple. So anyway, let's dig in, though, to a few of the changes this year um, pertaining to deductions.
1: Yeah, the first one is charitable deductions. And if you like to give like no one else, like Dave Ramsey talks about, then there's some good news in the uh, CARES Act. You can deduct up to 100% of your adjusted gross income. I wonder what. Percentage of people probably pretty low. <laughs> Not <laughs> too many people give a hundred percent of their yeah, income. Typically fifty percent, but they did change it up to hundred percent. So that adjusted gross income is your total income minus other deductions that you've already taken um, in in qualified charitable donations if you plan to itemize. So um, what if you're taking the standard deduction? Well, the Cares Act um, added a a new above the line deduction that you can write off up to three hundred dollars of charitable contributions that you made in cash. So that's a Small nugget, but, uh, you know.
0: Small one, but you do want yep. to make sure you take advantage of sure. it. It's automatic $300. I don't think there's any income limit on that either. So no, I think everybody right. gets that little $300 one. Yep. So you want to make sure you you take advantage of that when you file this year. That's an unusual one. Um, also, though, there are business deductions. You know, if you're self-employed, there's a bunch of deductions you can claim <clears throat> on your tax return, including travel expenses, the home office deduction if you use part of your home um, to conduct business. Um. But if you're one of the millions of workers who were sent home to work remotely this past year, um, you still won't be able to count that home office deduction because it's reserved for self-employed people only. Okay, so sorry. Yeah, I mean, I know you were kind of thinking about that this year, (laughs) thinking, "Wow, I work from home this year. Maybe I can deduct that. Unfortunately, not unless you're self-employed. So, you know, keep that in mind. But even better than deductions, though, are credits because they give you a dollar for dollar uh, reduction on your taxes. So, I mean, that's money in your pocket. So here are a few of the credits that might you might be able to qualify for. First one is the Earned Income Tax Credit. Um, the EITC, you know, that's a refundable credit. that's designed to help out lower and middle-income workers, workers earning up to $56,844 during last year, um, that might be eligible. So depending on your income and your filing status and how many children you have, the credit um, could save you anywhere from a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars on your taxes. But here's the crazy stat. Only about one in five taxpayers who are eligible, they 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 only about one in five uh, claim, it. claim the deduction. Yeah. 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 I mean, so it's a lot a of people percentage. don't claim it. So it's very low percentage. So, I mean, it's a big deal, you know, and if you were out of work last year because you got, you know, furloughed or something like that, you might claim that this year. So, you know, just think about, you know, the, the things that came into play if you had a low-income year last year. That may be one of them. Another one, though, that, that often uh, that people get is a big deal, and that is the child tax credit. Um, so if you have kids, you know, you can claim up to $2,000 per qualified child with the tax credit the income limits for this are about two hundred dollars for single parents two hundred thousand two hundred thousand thank you and four hundred thousand for married couples yeah. that's right uh, so uh, irs isn't that generous
1: no they're not
0: but so it's a huge income limit so the point yeah. is just about everybody can claim this if you have children right right um that are minors that's and significant so, it's a really big deal two thousand dollar credit per child if you have three kids I and mean, that's six thousand yeah. dollars right off your Jeez. taxes so you want to make sure you do that. Um, and since it's also a refundable credit, your family can receive up to $1,400 of that $2,000 credit as a refund every year. So even if you don't think that you qualify to even need to pay taxes last year, I mean, that's a huge credit that you can get. You know, I mean, potential between that and earned income tax credit, there's a lot of money on mm-hmm. the table, you know, for very little income that you could get back as a as a refund. Um, And then uh, another one, though, is the coronavirus and your taxes, you know, so um, so if you thought you were done with the coronavirus now that it's 2021, unfortunately, the coronavirus and the government's response to it has created kind of a ripple effect fact, that will be felt when you sit down to file your taxes last year. So here are some of the things to keep in mind about last year's situation when it comes to to that.
1: Yeah, one of the questions people have is the stimulus check uh, that they received, you know, back in uh, 2020, um, the $2 trillion uh, relief package from the CARES Act. The government sent up to $1,200 in the form of a stimulus check to millions of Americans uh, when the country was shut down. So the good news is that will not count as taxable income. So that's good. It's not going to be taxable income. Instead, it's being treated like a refundable tax credit for 2020. And basically that means that the stimulus check is kind of like an advance on money that you would have received anyway as a part of your tax refund in 2021. So it is not taxable.
0: Yeah, that's really good Mm -hmm. news because a lot of people have been asking about that, and that's a concern. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the other one is the Paycheck Protection Program, PPP loans, as they were called last year. You know, the CARES Act um, also tried to help struggling small business owners stay afloat by offering them the Paycheck Protection Program, PPP loan. And as long as these loans were used on certain business expenses, like payroll primarily— and rent and interest on mortgage payments and utilities, to name a few, these loans were designed to be forgiven. Okay, but here's a heads up. You know, small business owners, um, the IRS says that any expenses you paid with the money from these PPP loans cannot be deducted from your taxable income. Hmm. Um, So, yeah, you can't take the deduction for those expenses because you use loan money to do it. Plus, you'll have to get your loan forgiveness application approved by the Small Business Administration before you're off the hook for the amount you borrowed.
1: That's going to catch the people off guard. It really is. You know, I mean, that could be significant money that you're not deducting that you're going to pay taxes on. Huge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it could be, you know, $100,000. That's That's right. right, For some
1: businesses. So
0: that's huge. Wow. Yeah. And since the Small Business Administration is processing the applications for like, you know, $525 billion in loans, and, and given to 5.2 million borrowers at the speed of a sloth, you know, wearing ankle bracelets, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it wouldn't recommend you holding your breath. I mean, it's going to take a long time for them to get all that process. Yeah, so it's no going doubt. to be kind of a messy year. For people that took out those loans, I'm
1: glad I'm not a uh, CPA. You know, they're <laughs> oh, it's gonna talk to some mom. It's uh, it's difficult. I mean, the the rules are um, you know the, we're not real clear coming out. So I think people are going to be surprised by some of these. Another one that I think is going to catch some people off guard is unemployment benefits. I mean, a lot of folks found themselves out of work uh, temporarily this last year due to the uh, the shutdown. And uh, those who received unemployment benefits will have to pay income taxes. On that money. So, if you chose not to have taxes withheld from your benefits when you signed up, you'll either have to to pay quarterly estimated taxes or set aside enough money from your unemployment benefits to actually pay those taxes on tax day. So, again, I think that one's going to be something that um, is going to surprise some folks. Yeah,
0: that's exactly right. And then one last thing to keep in fact is, you know, if you did take money out of your 401k or your or your IRA last year, and you're facing a huge tax bill on that money. You don't necessarily have to panic. I mean, you do have three years to put those funds back in and get a refund on any taxes you paid on that money. But keep in mind, you're going to get a ten ninety nine for that money you took out, yep. and you're going to have to pay taxes on it until you pay it back. Yep, it is taxable. Um, so that's going to be a little tricky. If you took money out as a COVID type distribution last year from your from your four hundred one k or IRA, you know you're going to have to pay special attention about how you file that. Um, and so, but you want to get the money back in, that's your retirement. You got to get that money back in there. So you get yourself back on track for retirement. Anyway, it's going to be a complicated tax season for some people. So make sure you collect all your documents early, be prepared for a little bit of confusion surrounding some of these changes from last year. You know, this might be a great year to reach out to a tax professional for help in filing your return Mm -hmm. because it's going to be a little bit more complicated than previous years. So... That's what you need to know about taxes, and that leads us up here to our question of the week.
1: Yeah, I got this from a client um, this last week, and, you know, Steve, there's so much discussion oh and my uh, information on stocks. I mean, technology stocks, certain stocks that are out there coming out on IPOs, and that's just doing crazy, crazy things. So this is a question that was interesting. It's like I hear certain stocks are overvalued. And I won't name any names, but there's certain stocks that are just way out in the stratosphere it's been from crazy. a price. It's and been crazy. So their question is: is Should I short them? And sh- basically, when you sh- short a stock, you're wanting it to go down. Yeah, you're right? gambling <clears throat> that it that it will not go up a yeah. lot further. And a lot of people have shorted Tesla and have gotten killed because the the sky is the limit, right? If you if you short a Tesla at hundred bucks,
0: it can go up forever. And now it's so nine hundred bucks. You're, you're taking a big risk. There's, huge. there's an unlimited amount you can lose in that game. So
1: some people. Say the stock market is like gambling, and I disagree wholeheartedly, and I know you do as well. Over time, mutual funds, it has proven to be a, a great way to build wealth. That is gambling. Shorting yes. a stock is gambling.
0: Shorting a stock is gambling. Yeah, I mean, there's a, been a word that's been thrown around quite a bit the past week, and that's a short squeeze.
1: Uh, <laughs> right? Okay. You know? Is that stocks
0: we're talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's stock <is> stocks. Okay. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, your Sorry. shorts. Yeah. yeah, I mean, short squeeze, that is whenever you short a stock. And the stock keeps going up. And so those people that shorted the stock get squeezed out. They have to buy the stock to cover their losses yeah. because yeah. it gets it gets the losses get bigger than their margin, you know, so they have a call <clears> on it. So they gotta they gotta close their short position by buying the stock at an elevated price. Yeah. They lose huge amounts of money. Stock runs up even further because more people are buying it now to cover their <laughs> yeah. their, their shorts, yeah. as they say. So, yeah, I mean, you don't want to be in that position. Don't
1: get involved in that. That's, yeah. That exactly. is gambling. It's like going, I mean, you might as well is. go to Vegas and at least have, you know, a fun, you know, fun time versus sitting at your computer doing that.
0: Exactly. And there's so many stocks that have gotten dislocated and are, in, and are just trading on crazy things that are not fundamentals. You know, they're Robin Hood investors. They're out there just, just gambling with their money, you know, so... You you can't get caught up in that. You got to focus on your future and don't get caught up in these crazy stocks that are trading at values that are just unbelievable that are going up at rates that are unbelievable cuz it is unbelievable and it won't last. No. History says it won't last and you don't want to get caught in that. Focus on your future, stay diversified, keep investing take the slow road. That's what gets you to retirement, yeah. not not this
1: kind of gambling. So great yeah. question of the week. And yeah. that leads us into a great topic of, you know, shorting stocks is on, is not one of the 10 habits. Not of one of the 10 habits successful people. I can promise you that. People. There you go. Yeah, this is from Chris Hogan. And, uh, you know, Steve, one of the, the fun things that we get to do is, um, you know, we get excited and we get to, to celebrate when people are winning with money. And uh, it's a taboo topic. So they come in, you know, to our office and our doors and you know, they basically open up the hood on their finances, and they can't really do that out in public and That's with right. their friends and kids and so forth. So because it's taboo and it comes across sometimes as conceited or being cocky or whatever, but it's fun to celebrate and, uh, you know, congratulate you on your successes. And, and uh, you know, if you're not there, we can help you get there. We see some of the steps that people are taking, and, um, you know, it's 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 hard if you don't follow these steps. It's certainly more difficult. So we're going to dive into some of the real-life habits And some of the characteristics of retirement savvy people that we see and um, that the Ramsey organization sees as well.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So, the first one here is they understand that their income is the biggest wealth building tool they have. Yeah, that's a good one. So, they focus on income. You know, I mean, smart investors, they take advantage of their biggest wealth building tool, and that is, of course, their income. And so, you know, no matter how large or small their household income is, you know, they, they give every dollar a purpose. I mean, they, they also steer clear of debt because they know that, you know, debt-free living is what gives them the kind of freedom to, to do more with their money and to plan for their future. But, you know, they focus on their income and they focus on putting it in the right places.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Another one here that we talk about frequently is uh, they have a budget and they stick to it. They know how much they spend on groceries and dining out and clothes. And, you know, if they run out of uh, coffee money before payday, they, they drive past the coffee shop and they avoid overspending, even if it is just a couple of uh, dollars, you know, associated with that coffee. So they know that those small everyday choices really do add up over time and they make a big difference. So monthly budget, very, very important. Uh, They also invest 15% of their income and uh, after they pay off all their debt, except for the mortgage, and they save three to six months of expenses, uh, which is baby step three, smart investors allocate about 15%. Of their household income to retirement, and uh, in the study that the Ramsey Organization did, about half of millionaires said they save 16 percent or more of their income each month. So when you do that, you know you're able to make real progress on uh, you know secure retirement, and um, you're also working on other goals like you know kids' college and and paying off the mortgage as well. So 15 percent. It's a pretty magical number. If you do that over a lot of years, it adds up. And you don't have to pick stocks or short stocks or anything. Use mutual funds. Be diversified.
0: That's right. I've never seen anybody that invested 15% a year for a long period of time that fell short of their retirement goal. Right. So that, that really is a, a magic key, I think, to getting you where you need to be. Um, another thing they do, John, is they, they take a long-term approach to investing. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, say informed savers and investors, they don't play checkers with their investments. They don't jump from one investment to another in reaction or anticipation Of the stock market, you know, they don't they don't short stocks as we just talked about, you know, or and get caught up in all that gambling type stuff that can take place with stocks that are just, you know, taken taken off. You know, they don't chase those stocks. That's because they have a long term approach to investing. They understand that you have to stay diversified with a well diversified portfolio, usually a mutual funds or index funds that are spread out over thousands of stocks. And let the market work for you instead of you trying to manipulate your investments. Um, And over the long haul, you know, that works. So they stay focused on the long term and they stick with it.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. Another one here is they have a plan and they update it um, as they go through uh, a particular year. So people who are good at investing, uh, they know where their money is going and how much it's growing. They keep tabs on the investments and uh, they have, you know, checkups and check-ins. Um, you know, if there's new changes, a uh, new baby job transition, family move, um, then they'll, uh, review the potential impact of those savings. So the plan piece of this, we see a lot of people that don't have that, that is such a critical piece. And if you don't have a plan, whether it's through us or someone else, go get a plan. Um, because it's going to help you kind of get through some of these ups and the downs associated with the market. So planning is very important. Um, the sixth thing here on the list is. Um, if you have a spouse uh, and, 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 you know, you're married and, you know, you work together as a team, uh, couples who are on the same page uh, when it comes to money are more likely to win with, with their investments. They work as a team and they win as a team. So, you know, they decide on what their goals are and how they're going to reach them. And, you know, a lot of successful couples aren't focused just on getting ahead um, they're fueled by a mutual desire to be generous. So we see a lot of folks, whether you know you're you're single or or, or married. Um, you know, they, a lot of folks are generous and charitably inclined, and there's some neat opportunities there. Uh, if you are single, um, you're not off the hook. You got to find an accountability partner. Maybe it's a close friend or a trusted family member, uh, someone who will encourage you to to you know focus on those goals. Uh, you can't do it alone. So you need a you need a partner of some type in this process.
0: Yeah, that's a good one, John. And next one on the list, number seven here is they don't borrow from their 401k plans. Yeah, that is a big one. <clears throat> that really is. You know, I mean, borrowing from your 401k plan account, I mean, it might seem like a great way to come up with some cash or for an unexpected expense or to add on to your house or something. But successful long-term investors, they know that a 401k loan comes with the risk of, and it comes with like potential taxes. You know, if you don't pay it back, um, it comes with penalties if you can't repay it. <clears throat> um, you know, even worse, you know, it, 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 um, the loss of the compound growth of your money will add up to thousands of dollars over time. That's a big one. Yeah, because your money's not invested anymore in the plan whenever you borrow from it. Um. So, just don't do it. I mean, retirement-minded people—they make sure that they have a solid emergency fund in place to take care of those unexpected expenses. So they can't—they can leave their nest egg, their retirement savings, to grow and compound over years and they just don't mess with it. So don't borrow from your 401k.
1: Yeah, here's another really good one is um, long-term care planning. And, um, you know, if you want to win with money, uh, you need a good offense and you also need a good defense. And that's where, you know, long-term care planning comes in. And and sometimes, Steve, it's insurance, Um, you know, insurance protects your money. And, uh, you know, it's it's why investors who have a healthy nest egg, you know, may want to look at purchasing long-term care insurance. It's uh, very expensive, um, and it could, you know, the stay could be very, very long. There are other ways to, to do the, the long-term care, um, you know, planning, HSAs we talk about frequently. Um, some people have enough income from pensions and their investments to be self-insured. There's different ways to do this. Long-term care insurance is a piece of the puzzle, and it is something that you have to have figured out going into retirement.
0: Yeah, you certainly want to consider that. So that's a great point. Next one here is they live well below their means. Um, yeah, you won't find retirement savvy people spending more money than they make. That just doesn't happen. I mean, they they buy modest houses. They pay cash for vehicles and vacations. They, they you know that leaves enough money to stash away for retirement. You know they don't need the latest and greatest gadgets because they don't care about keeping up with the Joneses. I mean they're content with what they have, and they're focused on their financial goals, their long-term goals, and that keeps their priorities in check.
1: Yeah, and the final one here, Steve, we don't talk a lot about this because it's kind of self-serving, but um, what Dave says is they see people, uh, millionaires um, that they they, uh, surveyed meet regularly with an investment professional. So they have an advisor. In fact, 68% of millionaires that the Ramsey folks talked with said they worked with a financial advisor or investment professional to achieve their net worth. And the reason is, is having someone in your corner to help coach you through the pandemics of life and, and help you figure out the the, um, the long-term care, you know, planning and so forth. But having someone there that can get you on the right track and make sure you're, you're making good decisions is, uh, is important. And it's number 10 here on the list. So uh, we do I'm sure there's people successful out there without advisors, obviously 30% of them are. So you got to figure out what's right for you and your family and, uh, you know, make the decisions based on that.
0: Yeah. Getting the right help is a big deal <clears throat> in being successful. And that comes with anything, you know, with taxes and your estate planning. And so just make sure that you, you know, are getting, you know, hooking up with the right people in terms of, of partnering and, and, and getting the right advice. So Anyway, great list of, of, of items for successful people. And that leads up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week.
1: Yeah, so um, we're big believers in, in um, having no car debt, right? And so a good way of doing that is is when you have your vehicle paid off, maybe you have to sell it to get down and, and to drive a beater, as Dave would call it, for a period of time. But set up a brokerage account, put that payment in there every single month, pay yourself, and then when you need a car in four or five or eight or ten years, you have a pile of money that you can then go pay cash for it. So brokerage account, it's liquid. It's a great way to, um, you can grow money over time. It's Some of it's in the stock market, so it depends on how long your time frame is. Certainly less than about three years, you should be careful with it, Um, but brokerage account's a good option.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you want to get money invested um, to set yourself up to be able to pay for your next car or are the big items on your list? You know, you just got to have, you got to have money that's growing for those for that purpose, and you can't be left with, you know, every time you need a car, you go and and uh, you know Get take payment. on more debt. Mm-hmm. You just can't do that. So don't,
1: don't drive your retirement.
0: Got to have a car <laughs> fund. <clears throat> it's great advice. Good prescription of the week. All right, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one.
1: This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal
0: advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.